This is Finding Satan. I know I fucked up. I can't sleep at all. I keep tossing and turning, thinking about Nicole, wondering about the blood and the signs in the woods, trying to remember what I did, what happened, what I did to her. Because I must have done something, and the guilt is too much. I don't know if I'll feel better when I know what happened, but I know I have to try to find it out. What if she's still out there, injured in the woods? What if I can save her? It's 3 a.m., and I'm tired of staring at the clock, hoping it will put me back to sleep. It doesn't work. It never works. So I get up and shower and get dressed, trying not to think about what I'm about to do. Matt's asleep on the couch, so I tiptoe out and lock the door as quietly as I can. Is there a part of me that doesn't want to be here when Annabelle gets here? Abso-fucking-lutely. He can deal with Annabelle. I want to find out what happened to Nicole. I started this whole thing because I was looking for Sarah, and now another girl is lost, and it's my fault. That's my thing to deal with. Annabelle and Matt will just have to sort out their shit without me. I know the code to Easy's gate and I let myself into the back lot behind his garage. Parts of me are tingling. I've been dying to see her and there she is, all by herself in a special corner of the lot, shining like she's just got a new skin. My baby, Black Betty. When I start her up, she purrs like she's happy to see me, but it's nothing compared to how I feel. Being back inside my baby, everything where it's supposed to be, and we move as one as I pull her out of the lot and get on the freeway. I've needed this. Driving Betty is a meditation, and I feel transcendent as we prowl the roads together. I fucking love driving my car. The sun comes up as we pass Dallas. It's going to be a gorgeous blue sky day in North Texas. The kind of day that's perfect for going deep into the woods. We get to the lot outside of the park and I find the turnoff. Betty isn't built for off-roading or going slow, so it's a good thing these park roads are pretty clear. She likes it rough, but she can only do so much, you know? I'm not so sure about where to stop. I was hopped up on sugar and hormones last time I was here but Betty and I pull off in a spot that looks good and feels right. I swear she's sad when I turn her off. She's been in the shop for too long and she just wants to keep driving and so do I, but we've got things to take care of here. If you leave your unfinished business lying around, it is bound to come back to haunt you. Yeah, I know. I throw my bag over my shoulder and head into the woods. This couch sucks. It sags in the middle and smells like smoke and old B.O. I'm pretty sure Clara found it on the side of the road and thought, I hate people. 
I should take that home in case anyone ever comes over to encourage him to never do that again. I think it has fleas. I'm checking for bites and trying to rub out all the kinks when someone knocks at the door. It's Annabelle. It's 7 a.m. Good morning to you too, Boy Scout. She's wearing a low-cut black tank top and black jeans with hot pink flip-flops. Her toenails are painted black. I don't think I've ever seen Annabelle in flip-flops before, and I'm not awake enough to deal with any of this. She smells like wood smoke and leather, and I have to remind myself that she's a complete psychopath. Where's Little Miss can't do anything right? She flops down on the couch and settles in like it's normal. She's probably still sleeping. Annabelle hops back up. She's full of coiled energy, like a viper. I'll just go check. I don't stop her, even though I think it's a dick move to wake someone up in their own home for no reason. Annabelle opens the bedroom door and then glances back at me and gestures inside. Nope. What? You seem to have lost another one. She's not here. She's right. The room is empty. Such a shame. She seemed like the perfect Girl Scout for you. I pick up my phone and there's a text from Clara. I try to text her back, but she has notifications snoozed. She's going back to the woods. She says she has to find Nicole. <laughs> she won't find her there. I'm worried. You're always worried. That's what makes you you. But you're right to be worried. There's something in the woods, and your little girlfriend is going to walk right into it. She's not my girlfriend. Whatever. Want to get breakfast? I bet there's a shitty diner around here. This looks like a shitty diner kind of neighborhood. You're so different. He told me one night, after I'd cut myself, desperate to get the cravings to stop. You smell like the sun. I knew he was lying. I knew I was trash he found by the side of the road, and I thought he was trying to make me feel better, and it worked. It warmed me a little on the inside that he would try for me, that he would give me any of his attention. He made me love him that way. By giving me just a little of what I needed, here and there, he made me crave him even more than the drugs. He knew how to get to an addict. He knew exactly what to do. I'm walking through the woods and all I have is time to think. To think about the monsters we all are, the monsters I've been, and the monsters I've seen. The air is fresh and crisp like rain, in a way that we rarely get here, and it feels like a new day. I got away from Michael once. Maybe if I lose myself in the woods, he can never find me again. I still want him. That's the hardest part. I know exactly who he is, and I remember what he did, and I still want him. He made me beg for it, in the end. He made me beg him to do it. I didn't know. I didn't know. You have no idea how precious you are. And he stroked my hair and washed my face. He must have had other things to do. Those weeks that I was recovering, 
but it seemed like he was always with me. Always there when I woke up or went to sleep. Always coming in when I was bleeding on the bathroom floor. You shouldn't do that to yourself. When he talked to me, his eyes marbled with something that looked like kindness. It looked like caring. I wanted to believe it was love. You're worth so much more than that. I knew I wasn't, but I wanted to believe him. I wanted him to be right. I don't know how long I was there, but it was after I finally stopped wanting to cut myself that he started to cut me. Do you want to see them? He asked me one night at dinner, and I said yes. I said yes, and he took me to his room, so different than mine, the bed so big and soft. Lie down. He took off his shirt, and his chest was so beautiful I wanted to cry. But then he opened his wings, and they rose up behind him, huge and elegant and blinding white. And then he reached down and cut me, my blood on those wings. And his eyes rolled back in ecstasy, and I begged him to take me. I was aching for him even through the pain of the cuts on my arms, on my back, on my breasts. I begged him to fuck me while my blood ran on his sheets, but he didn't. He wouldn't. He was too good for me, then. Those white wings, they were so lovely, like his skin. So soft and pure and oh so deadly. I never knew when he was going to do it. All I knew was I wanted him to touch me. It was the only love I'd ever known. Why won't you have me? I asked him one night, crying, trying to hide it so he wouldn't get upset. I shouldn't have bothered. He only cared about my blood. He was mesmerized by it. He watched it run down my arms, and then he would roll his hands in it, press his body against mine, just to feel my blood, to get as much of it on him as he could. I loved him so much. It has to be special. I felt a little flicker of hope, a light, a message, a sign that he loved me too. You're so special. It has to be as special as you are. Time passed, and I thought he forgot that this would be all it ever was. They gave me red meat to keep me strong, and then he started coming to me less and less, and I started to fade. The cuts turned to scars, a map of pain on my skin that I thought looked like love. I rarely saw him anymore. When I asked to see him, the men in their robes told me he was busy or is gone, and their eyes slid away from me. There are no birds here, you know? No birds. No song. I cried in my room where they couldn't see me. I stayed in there more and more. I knew I had to make myself strong for him so he'd want me again, but I couldn't. I couldn't do it. But then he came for me, 
He knocked on my door and he came in and he was so sorry that he'd been so busy and he told me we were having a special party for the moon that night and he'd bought me a new gown and everything. Dress for me. And his eyes were looking at my skin, at my heart, his greedy wings hidden away. My gorgeous girl, forgive me. I'll give you whatever you want tonight. Just dress up and let me hear your lovely laugh again. And I felt bad that I hadn't been happy. I felt so bad that I'd let him down. I wore the gown. I had my hair down in loose waves and light makeup like he liked. And we ate dinner with his favorite acolytes, candles and red wine, meat swimming in blood and spices. And I laughed and talked and made him love me again. He leaned into me and whispered in my ear. What would you have of me tonight? How can I make things right with you? And so I told him, even though it tore my heart open, I ripped out the stitches and I told him, lie with me tonight. Make love to me, my sweet angel. I want to feel you inside me. For you I will, though it may cost me my wings. And he took me to his room again, and I should have noticed the circle on the floor, drawn around the bed. I should have noticed the things on the tables by the bed, but I didn't. My head and my heart were buzzing with wanting him. All I could think about was that I would finally have him. And he made me beg for it, he did. I'm ashamed of the things I said, the things I did to get him to take me. But he liked those things more than the act itself. That was his secret, and he was ashamed of it. Beg me. And I did. Tell me what you want me to do to you. And I did. I abased myself. I begged him to take me. And before he did, he opened his wings once again and they rose above me as he slid his body against mine. And I screamed as he entered me. He felt like a thousand knives inside of me. His wings curved around and bit into me. And I bled as he took me. He opened his mouth and roared and his teeth were fangs. And all I could think of was this is how I wanted to die, with him inside me, his teeth in my skin, his wings wet with my blood. And then he reached over to the table and picked up a knife, a huge black and silver knife. And as he fucked me, he stabbed me in the heart and I died as he came. The sun, the sun. I didn't know what he was saying, what he saw, what was happening, because it was fading. The light was fading and the world was fading around me as I died. The sun. Black light filled the room and he was triumphant in my death on the night of the silver moon. But as he pulled himself out of me, out of my body in a gush of blood, he gasped. His face twisted with pain, and he cried out and hunched over. His glorious wings fell from his body, 
They landed beside me and they died too. They withered and faded away like me, just like he tried to do to me. His wings died next to me, except for them, death was final. Michael slid to his knees and then fell to the floor, curled up on his side, and he was crying for what he lost. I wanted to tell him you can't lose what you never had, but I'd felt the same thing when I thought I lost him. I thought I'd lost him, but I never had him either. Just like he never had this, whatever he thought it was. I had a different name back then. I don't remember it, but when I woke up, my name was Clara, and a year had passed. My skin was covered in scars and tattoos, and I had Black Betty and I had a new purpose. And I knew Michael was fucking poison. Michael and every man like him. All men think they have wings. None of them can face who they really are and how little they matter. You are not my king. You don't own me. I walk into the clearing, the campsite, the place where I last saw Nicole. The clearing is clean. I know I didn't leave it this clean when I grabbed my stuff and ran. It looks like no one has been here in months, except there are no leaves on the ground. You don't know me. I walk around and touch the trees to make sure this is the right place. It is. They remember me. And I remember them, with their symbols cut into their flesh. Just like Michael cut me. Witch signs, we call them, because we don't know what else to say. We don't have better words for what we are. She isn't here. Of course she isn't here. You know what I'm afraid of, right? You know. I'm afraid that maybe I did to her what Michael did to me. I'm afraid that I'm a monster too. And that I don't know how to love any other way. How to love without pain. How to touch without hurting. How to feel without blood. Maybe I'm just like him. I don't want to know. I'm tempted to turn and leave, but then I hear a whisper, like someone calling your name just out of earshot. It pulls me, a hook in my gut dragging me deeper into the woods, so I follow it. I don't have anything else to lose. It leads me a way I've never been before. I can just faintly almost make out a trail, like a game trail, and I wonder what kind of game goes this way. I'm nobody. If I disappear out here, no one will care. Easy has his money, Matt has Annabelle, and apparently Sarah's back and doesn't give a shit about any of us. This isn't even my story. I'm just some random girl trying to act big in someone else's story. I know I don't matter, but I want to think I'm doing something, doing whatever I can, making a difference somehow. So I'm going to keep looking for Nicole. She's the one who needs me now. The woods are calm, but this time it's not eerie, it's soothing. 
It's a quiet that pierces through me and makes me feel clean. I keep going, even though I'm not sure I see a trail anymore, or if I ever did. I just keep going the right way, deeper and deeper into the forest. The signs are all around me, hanging from the trees, nestled into the ground, but they are not obvious. These signs are for people like me, people who know, who have seen the other side. I smell it before I see it, that rancid, musky smell that was on my clothes and in the RAV4, and I get a spike of adrenaline, of fear, and I flash back to running through the woods, screaming. The memory is light, faint, not a full picture. I just remember fear and nothing else. But maybe I wasn't chasing Nicole that night. Maybe I was running away from something instead. Maybe I'm not the monster. I walk another 20 yards or so and then I see it, standing between three trees, waiting for me. The smell is so strong my eyes start to water, or else maybe I'm crying. I don't know the difference anymore. But this thing is pungent. It's over seven feet tall, maybe eight. It towers over me, and I should be afraid, but it's just looking at me. I know what it is, but I don't want to say it. I don't want it to be true. But you should know by now what it is. It's covered in long, dark hair, and it's naked, with two black, twisted horns rising up into the sky, silver slits in its black eyes, giant hands with claws, and the biggest penis I've ever seen. It starts to get hard when I look at it, and I look away, wondering where its robe is. But then it turns and walks away, and I hurry after it. This isn't what they're supposed to be like. There's something off about it. There's something wrong here. It leads me to a cave and it bends and goes inside. It's dark in there and I know not to follow it in, but I want to. I want to know. My eyes are adjusting to the dim light and I almost make up my mind to go in when I hear her. You're back. Just in time, too. The cave smells foul, worse than the thing itself, and I catch a glimpse of pale flesh, her arms sneaking up around him, and he grunts and turns her around. My eyes have adjusted now, and I wish they hadn't, because all I can see is this twisted harbinger mounting Nicole from behind. She's glowing white in the darkness of the cave, and she's wearing some kind of antler headdress, and he pulls her hair back until she's screaming, and his claws are cutting into her soft hips. And the things she's saying to him are awful, and I wish I could tune them out. Her words and those sounds. I should turn and leave, but I can't. I'm glued to the cave entrance. I can't help but watch as he grunts and gets louder, and she keeps telling him to go harder, to rip her apart, and she calls him her beast. I don't want to watch. I hate myself for staying, and I hate her even more as I look around the cave, now that I can really see, and I realize what's in there. I see where the smell is coming from. I know where the girls go, 
the ones who go missing, I know what they're for. They're for him. The girls are for him. Somehow they are keeping him here and giving him girls to chase and to, to use. And when he's done, he leaves their parts in the cave, in his nest. Nicole is writhing in it now. She's known the whole time, hasn't she? Hasn't she? And she led me here. She brought me here that night. Follow the hunters, the text said, knowing that I'd come to the woods, leading me to him. And here they are now, together, and I feel sick. I feel something else too, and I hate that second feeling more. She puts him on his back and rides him, her whole body quivering, and she throws her head back and screams at the top of the cave as she comes. He grunts and grinds into her and finishes too, and honest to God, I don't know how she fit that thing inside of her, but, you know, respect, girl. Respect. I'm feeling all sorts of things as they both come down from what they just did, but all those feelings settle into one as she turns to look at me over her shoulder. Like the show, monster fucker? I thought you were dead. I was actually worried about you. And it turns out you were probably trying to kill me the whole time. But did you die? Michael said you were a hard kill, but it was worth a shot. She slides off the harbinger, and I hope she doesn't walk any closer to me because she smells disgusting. I heard whoever does it gets a prize. She picks up a dead girl's shirt and wipes herself off. Wanna have a go? I think he likes you. I think he does too, based on what I can see, but I'll pass. No thanks. He's not my type. I guess once you've taken an angel's wings, there's nowhere to go but down. She waggles her eyebrows at me so I know she's being clever. I liked you better when you were a waitress. Funny. I never liked you at all. She smiles sweetly at me and I want to kill her, but I'm not going anywhere near her with that thing right there. Are you really that worried about me? Because I've been here in Shaz Harbinger for like two fucking days, and you only now just found me? He's kind of right, but whatever. Wait. You've been here this whole time? Yeah. Someone's got to keep him busy. My mom said I couldn't use any of the girls for a couple of days, and I earned a bit of vacation. Why? So you don't know? Know what? Tell me what happened that night, and I'll tell you what I know. Not much to tell. I drugged you. We usually don't drug the girls because it makes them too boring for them. But like I said, Michael told us you were hard to kill, and I thought it would help. And Beast here showed up at the campsite, and you just lost your shit and went screaming through the woods. Both of us chased you, but you just fucking disappeared like a ghost. And he and I came back here to party, and I figured we'd take another shot at you some other time. Starting to connect the dots. Mom. The church lady is your mom? Ah. And the blonde god wannabe is my stepdad, so what? That was it? You just thought, ah, oh well, she got away? 
Yeah, I'm sorry, but I just didn't care that much. I figured I'd text you in a few days with some story that you'd fall for and we'd just do it again, you know? I cannot believe her. So, what's up? What's your big news? She looks bored and she's eyeing the beast again. Literally, how did I not know she was this cracked? I was really into her. What's wrong with me? She's just another monster. Um, Michael and Annabelle killed your parents and let all the girls go. So, yeah. Enjoy your vacation. And I turn and walk out of the cave. Finding Satan is written and directed by Gabrielle Awe. Produced by Jeremy Herbel and starring Abby Claus and Mike Scalero. Finding Satan is a Black Cat Collective podcast.
lost souls inside.